Can one person be held criminally responsible for another taking their own life? In 2017, the state of Massachusetts said they sure the fuck can in the groundbreaking case of Massachusetts v. Carter, where a young woman was convicted of manslaughter over the self-inflicted death of her alleged boyfriend. We will discuss their two-year relationship in the key moment in which the prosecution says made her liable for his death. This episode of Criminal AF contains serious subject matter relating to mental health and suicide. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health issues, please seek help through a licensed professional therapist. If you are having thoughts of suicide, call your region's emergency service number immediately. I am here to tell you that you are not alone. You matter, and you are loved. I'm Dave Jari. I'm Garrett Quarter. And this is Criminal as Fuck. What's good, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Criminal AF. Once again, I am Dave Jari, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Garrett Quarter. How we doing? We'd like to give out a few huge shout-outs to our newest members of the Debauched. And they are Rachel Bagby Langston, Alex Teal, Lindsay M., and Cassie Solis. Thank you guys Solis. so much. Thank you all so much. Now, you can become one of the debauches as well by joining our Patreon. There are five tiers, and you can join for as little as $2 per month for general support. Those who select our $5 tier and above will get all of our content. All of it. That includes our mini-series called Five Minute Murder, where I discuss a true crime story in five minutes or less. Our new Patreon-only bi-weekly podcast called Random AF. Which I'm very excited yeah, about. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Where Garrett and I drunkenly discuss random topics while trying to be coherent, unlike I'm doing right now. As well as the upcoming Dreadful AF. Hey. Which will be a monthly collaboration between us and John and Joe over at Spread the Dread Podcast. Oh, I'm excited for that one. Yeah, it's going to be good. We had a nice little Zoom call the other day, yeah. <laughs> you know, discussing what we're going to do. And uh, I, I just, from that thing, like, I love how they, uh, John actually said something that resonated with me. Yeah. You guys are like marijuana. We're like heroin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to do some heroin, baby. <laughs> so that's definitely going to be for our, uh, you know, true fans that don't. It's, it's not going to be... So I, I don't know if you guys are if you go check out Spread the Dread over yeah. at uh, on all podcast platforms, but they're definitely a little bit more raunchier than us. So it's yeah. gonna be fun. Yeah, it's gonna be very fun. Yeah, we're like the boardwalk in Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're the alleys. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good place to score some dope. You know, you know, so you know, sometimes it's it's nice and nice to be out in the open, and it, yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. you just gotta you know skirt skirt down the uh, alleyway. I mean, the alley sounds more fun to me. Yeah, so. yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, so you can receive all of this by becoming one of the debauched on Patreon. Or if you want to become a barista and buy us one or more coffees to help support the podcast with a one-time donation, like our friend Holly Moe, just go to criminalafpodcast.com backslash support or follow the link in episode description. To continue our podcast spotlight for this week, we'd like to introduce you to our friend Debbie over at True Crime University. So you like to listen to people talk about crime, but... Did you ever wonder why criminals do the things they do, like what makes them tick? My name is Debbie, and I'm the professor at True Crime University. Join me in the classroom Thursdays, wherever you get your podcasts, for intellectual discussions about crime, psychology, and why criminals do what they do. See you there. 
Now, True Crime University, they really dive deep into these cases, and, and Debbie does an amazing job, you know, like telling these stories. Yeah, and uh, for sure. And if I may add that she does like to use the word fuck. So, as I say, anybody who uses profanity in their podcast, you know, we, we fuck with them. We don't conform That's right. to these these algorithms that <laughs> knock down the swearing podcasts, all right? Fuck them. That's right. So go support True Crime University wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> I think that about covers it for everything. So now, for those of you joining us for the first time, this is a true crime podcast. Dun, dun, dun. There will be talk of murder, rape, torture, assault. And pretty much any crime that would haunt you nightmares at any given moment. There will be detailed descriptions of said events, and there will be some vulgar language. Like fuck! We understand that criminal AF is not for everyone, but we just ask that you at least give it a listen. If it's not for you, hey, thanks for checking it out. But if it is, welcome, welcome to, to the, the debauchery. Mail call! Mail call! God, the fucking hey, I love Hicks. Do you know there's an actual competition, pig calling competition that a they pig do? Pig calling, yeah. really? In uh, I think it's it's either Alabama or Tennessee. I don't know which one it is exactly. Don't you know? Quote me. But they it's women get up on stage yep. and they call pigs. Really? Yep. And then there's like first, second, third place. And do the pigs come? Yep. Really? Yep. I used to do that when I was in my twenties <laughs> at the bar. <laughs> Anyway, mail call. All right. <laughs> Prior to each episode, we post a Ask Us Anything on our Instagram for a chance of your questions to be answered on air. And we've been getting some pretty good questions rolling in. Now, this week, Iron Chickadee, she wanted to know, how was the hangover? <laughs> Last week was the funniest episode ever, despite the subject matter. Uh, yeah, so she's referring to episode 24, Love on the Rocks. And uh, Gary and I, uh, we... Oh, that was nothing. We probably consumed just a little. Yeah, you, know. you guys should have saw by the time we were done with the podcast, we got upstairs and it kept going. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even nothing. Yeah, the podcast was like the first couple hours in. Oh, yeah, yeah. So We're continuing the, yeah. road, the show. You know, we did re- receive some suggestions that, uh, you know, people don't like to condone drinking. However... They would like to see it incorporated more into the, the podcast. So well, that's why they're going to check out Random AF on Random our Patreon. AF, you know yeah. what I mean? Random AF. Oof, we're going to be shit faced for yeah, that one. Yeah, for sure. Well, anyway, all right. So thank you, Iron Chickadee. We, uh, we did feel pretty good the next day. I haven't had a I haven't had a hangover in God a long time. Like a like a good one. A, a good, good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like waking up, throwing up everywhere. Yeah, I haven't had that. I mean, as long as I get McDonald's breakfast in the morning, Greece. I could. It doesn't matter Greece. how much I drink, what I drink. I can switch dark, light, different mixers, whatever. As yeah. long I, as long as I can make it into that McDonald's drive-through mm. and get a bacon, egg, and cheese, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I can I can recover from anything. All right. Next up is Elizabeth Manor, and she says, "Can you two be any more entertaining?" Oh, well, thank you, Elizabeth. Which infamous criminal in history is your favorite? I'm going to um, go outside the normal talking points on this podcast. And I, my favorite criminal of all time would have to be Pablo Escobar. Yeah. I don't know. I just... Pablo. A true gangster. Didn't subtle, too. Subtle yeah. gangster. And the amount of cash that he was making... Wasn't it like billions? It was, bi- it was billions. Month. It was a billions. Month. Yeah, it was something r- ridiculous. It was to the point where he had more money than the entire, you know, uh, Colombian... World? Yeah. <laughs> 
the entire <laughs> country of Colombia. You know what I mean? He was, and it wasn't just that. It was the way he kept his power too. It was fucking giving, like donating money to political people, like going to the, the park and just dropping off bags of money to, to people so that nobody even like would rat on him, do anything right. like that. It was, I don't know. It's just the operation, the pure organization skills that that guy had to put on what he did right. and for so long. Yeah, and he technically was a killer because believe me, there's a lot of people that died uh, mm, on the hands of that cartel. I would say yes. I would say yes. That is true. Now, for me, uh, mine would probably be along similar lines. Not so much a cartel, but 30s, 40s, 50s. I feel like you're a sucker for that mafia. Time. Yeah, you're like you like that yeah. time period. You're you're yeah. you know what I mean. Back when the mafia was the mafia, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty much anything during like Lucky Luciano. Uh, it's almost a shame that Rico came around. You know what I mean? I know. I know. Fucking they. They. It's Ruined basically. The, yeah. It's basically like they couldn't actually do police work, so then they just were like, "Hey, let's just make a cheat code real quick." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what? What? What is this? Rico. Uh, yeah. He he knows this guy. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. He was there. Okay. <laughs> Sloppy police work. Yeah. I'm I'm just absolutely fascinated with with the mafia. So thank you very much, Elizabeth. Also, we have Ian Turner. Oh, a boy, a, a boy, Ian from from over there in Britland. Across the, across the sea. He's the one that yelled at me for not he, liking Monty yeah, Python, right? right. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Fuck Monty Python. Oh, Fuck he us. says it again. Yikes. <laughs> All right, Ian, let's hear it. All right, I have always had a love of serial killer movies. What are your favorites, either fic- factual or fictional? Ooh, 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 ooh. I have mine. I have mine. Go ahead. Seven. S- Fucking love I that love, movie. Yeah, seven. I love that movie. What's in the box? Yeah. Uh, seven What's in the box? Yeah. Seven was good. I, yeah, oh my god, I don't even want to say it, but it, it has to be Silence of the Lambs. Of the dude. Lambs? It has. To, it, it's it's top five movies of all time. Oh for no, me. it is. Yeah, yeah. Like I know it's everybody says Silence of the Lambs, but it's right. it, 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 dude, an elector. Come on. Yeah. That, but, it, it, and honestly, classic. Buffalo Bill stole that whole fucking movie at the end of the day. <laughs> it puts the lotion on the skin or it gets the hose. <laughs> it gets the hose. Just the thought of being trapped in a well yeah. and then like a, a guy dancing around in a skin <laughs> at the top. That's fucking terrifying. Just throwing lotion down on you knowing that he's going to skin you the next oh, day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's, I, I got to be him. Yeah. Sounds the lambs. So yeah, so those are our answers. Thank you very much, Ian. And that'll do it for this round of mail call. So once again, prior to each episode, we post the Ask Us Anything on our Instagram for a chance for your questions to be answered on air. And uh, yeah, what do we got next? We're going to Florida. Dave, we've been doing a lot of Florida women. You know what Florida I mean? Women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been, been doing, you know, yeah. we've been up we've a couple of them in the last last couple of episodes. So yeah. we're gonna keep that streak going. Okay. Florida woman was arrested for indecent exposure after using a puddle in the library's parking lot to give herself a bath, exposing her bare breasts, buttocks, and public area. <laughs> <laughs> Pubic area? There's pub in a public area. In a public area. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're like, come on, we're taking baths in the library parking lot, baby. <laughs> All right, I don't even know how to say this. A mocha lately. Amokali Florida See Ooh. we just added to the list Of yeah. fucking weird Florida Town names On February 7th Several visitors alerted the manager Of Amokali Library About the public display And upon investigating Found a 43 year old Catherine Still Naked 
Police said Still was using a puddle in the library's parking lot for her bath and her bare breasts, buttocks, and uh, pubic area. Well, it was pubic area. <laughs> and pubic area were on a full display to, to library guests and passing traffic on North 41st Street. The Collier uh, County Sheriff's Department was, were quickly to call to the scene and instructed Still to put on her clothes. She promptly obeyed and the deputies arrested her on a charge of indecent exposure. Indecent? Okay. Dude, you know... <laughs> Hear me out. I don't condone drug use at all. But the, it, meth has got to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be. Like, if I could go back in time. To just, to just completely be out of it to the point where you're willing to take a full-blown bath in a puddle in the library parking lot on Main Street. You, like... Where are you? You're in a different universe you're, at you're, that yeah, point. Yeah, you're like checked out. In the famous words of the Chappelle show, <laughs> cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Charlie Murphy! <laughs> Wild, though. Oh, yeah. Like, I, 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 I just don't understand. It's crazy. Mm. Was there not a river around? <laughs> no. It was just I like, mean, they, they, ew, and you know it's damn Florida, well. so you know there's like some think, body of water. Think where... about city public areas parking lots there's it's probably like a fucked up uh it's like a pothole a pothole right <laughs> there's like the film of gas yeah oil or cars and yeah. like oh dude yeah oh and she's florida like, rains oh no and she's getting she's getting deep in those crevices too her though she's not singing like a <laughs> disney princess she's like making weird <laughs> <laughs> gonna get down in the get down the crease here. Oh, we're definitely gonna add her uh, her mugshot onto uh, the criminal imagine, app Instagram. So take it, take a look and check, check this by, beauty out. Yeah, imagine driving by and just like cruising, and you got your kids in the car, and they're like, "Daddy, look!" <laughs> and you look over, and she's squatting over a puddle. Oh, splashing! Yes, <laughs> splashing up in her. Cooch area. <laughs> she got to rinse off. Daddy, what is she doing? What do you tell your kids at that point? Uh, she she must have that unfresh feeling. Mm. Yeah, I mean everybody needs to take a bath. <laughs> yeah, gotta take a bath. You start parking <laughs> parking lot. You start singing nursery rhymes about bath to the kids. <laughs> Where did you learn how to? Yeah. Some crackhead on the side of the road. That's yeah. how I learned how to, to wash my cooter. <laughs> Next thing you know, you get a call from the school. Uh, your son is uh, washing himself in a puddle. Uh, at recess? <laughs> at recess. You might want to come come take him. Well, oh, man. That's crazy. Never a dull story out of Florida. Let's just say that. Criminal AF will be back after this quick break. Oh, man. All right. So, this episode is very... How should I say? It's infuriating. Infuriating. It makes you actually want to legit kill somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or, or and, and the worst part is you want to kill somebody. And on top of that, you just want to, like, reach out to this poor kid. Right. Like, this poor boy, just somebody. He needed, he needed one person. One person. One person to know what was going on. I, I don't know. It's, it's just this this story annoys me. So, uh, yeah, you'll know what we mean uh, once we start getting into it. Here's uh, chapter one. This is Conrad Henry Roy III reporting about social anxiety. Social anxiety to me is the inability to function properly in a manner that you want to in social situations. And one of the things that I've realized is not all eyes are on you at all times. People don't 
necessarily judge you particularly in a situation where you're not feeling very good about yourself. Uh, you're making mistakes. Like people understand that you come across as awkward. They're not gonna judge you and make fun of you. Like that's just who you are as an individual. And the quicker you are to realize who you are, the better. Like you don't have to be this amazing, like thought out, drawn out, like superhero, like incredible Hulk, Superman. I don't know the people that are portrayed in the media. It's like perfect, but they're not perfect. I mean, if you take drugs, serious cocaine, like be. Oh my God, he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. You just have to accept yourself as an individual. Mental health is a subject that carries a stigma, and it shouldn't. There isn't a person in the world that hasn't experienced some period in their life where they felt a little less in themselves. I'm not ashamed to admit that I have had periods of struggling with my mental health. Most often, you will never know if someone is struggling. People who have dealt with these issues throughout their life have become very keen on how to disguise it. Being told to toughen up, it'll pass, you're overreacting only hardens your shell and makes it harder for you to let people in, to know what truly is going on through your mind, and in turn, make you feel more and more alone. If there is one message that I can get across when talking about mental health, is it that people need to be more compassionate. In today's world of online trolls, neighbors growing more distant, jobs focusing more on the bottom line, and schools focusing more on reaching state test scores than reaching the hearts and minds of children, people have grown to be desensitized to the basic needs of a person, and that is to be loved and accepted. We need more compassion for each other, especially towards those who you know are struggling, but are too proud or too ashamed to accept it. Assure them. You are there if they need you. Reassure them through words and actions. Some people's shells are thicker than others, so it may take time to break through, but don't give up on them. They have been shunned many times before. Don't add yourself to the list of people who have given up on them. So be compassionate. It doesn't cost a thing and doesn't take more than a moment of your day. As we will learn in this episode's story, there wasn't much compassion given to the one who needed it the most. In fact, they were encouraged to end their own life, even though deep down inside they were reluctant to take it. The story of Conrad Roy and Michelle Carter struck many throughout New England. Conrad and Michelle both had their time dealing with mental health issues, and what seemed to be a good pairing because they both understood each other turned into something else. We have to ask ourselves, can one person be held responsible for another person taking their own life? The answer, according to the state of Massachusetts, is yes. In the unprecedented case against Michelle Carter beginning in June of 2017, the state of Massachusetts argued that Michelle failed to intercede in the suicide of Conrad Roy 
who passed away on July 13, 2014, at the age of 18, from carbon monoxide poisoning. In fact, prosecutors accused Michelle of coercing Conrad into doing the act. The proof, they say, was in a series of text messages and phone calls between Conrad and Michelle, dating as far back as 2012. At first, Michelle Carter would attempt to persuade Conrad into seeking help for his depression. But all of this changed when Michelle began to think it would be beneficial for her if Conrad did kill himself. Why this change of heart? Soon we will discuss how Michelle used Conrad's depression and eventual suicide for her own personal gain, and how even after his death, she kept the charade going for months in a vain attempt to seek sympathy and acceptance from people who she considered friends. While we cannot tell Conrad Roy's story without including the role Michelle Carter played in his life and death, I will attempt to tell this story from the perspective of Conrad Roy. I will also include excerpts of the text messages shared between the two, with Kelly Corder and myself playing the roles of Michelle Carter and Conrad Roy. I will say this again. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health issues, please seek help through a licensed professional therapist. If you are having thoughts of harming yourself, call your region's emergency service number immediately. Your life matters. Conrad Roy and Michelle Carter met in Naples, Florida in February of 2012. Michelle was visiting her grandparents, while Conrad was visiting his great-aunt. They soon discovered that they were both from Massachusetts, less than 40 miles apart, with Conrad living part-time in his mother's home in Fairhaven and his father's home in Mattapoisett, while Michelle lived in Plainville. They spent the rest of their time together in Florida, riding bikes and walking, and by the end of the trip, both had agreed to keep in touch. Over the next two years, the two would see each other in person less than five times, but they would communicate numerous times a day, via text, phone call, and email. While it's been stated that Conrad never officially called Michelle his girlfriend to his family or friends, toward the end of Conrad's life, Michelle asked if she would be able to call herself his girlfriend after he passed, to which he agreed. Conrad and Michelle's relationship was unorthodox to begin with, but through their communications, they appeared to be in love with each other, or what two teenagers who have never been in love think being in love is. At first, Conrad and Michelle were very open and supportive of each other, and of their respective mental health challenges and would help steer the other from making drastic decisions that could have a harmful or permanent effect on their life. In 2014, however, Michelle's role in their relationship changed. Rather than trying to dissuade Conrad from taking his life, she began encouraging him. So as we uh, you know, mentioned in the story that Conrad and Michelle, they met each other down, by chance, down in uh, Naples, Florida. Another Florida story. Another Florida story. In uh, February of 2012. You know, they only lived 40 miles apart, but yet they only they saw each other less than a handful of times over the two years that they were, quote-unquote, in the relationship. 
Now Conrad, you know, he's he never went around telling anybody that Michelle was his girlfriend. Yeah. You know, but Michelle kind of like, I guess she kind of saw it a little bit more than he did. I feel like he had to have thought there was more there. No, uh, yeah, he did. Yeah. To confide in her, right? You know what I mean. Well, as much the, as he did, there was a little bit in the, in the in a couple of years where uh, you know he kind of like started backing off a little bit, but then got, you know what I mean? It's kind of up and down kind of relationship. You know what yeah. I mean? But you got to think. If you see them less than five times in two years, what else is going on in your life? God, wait, you don't remember, though, back when you were in eighth, seventh, eighth grade, mm-hmm. before you, like, when you had your first girlfriend, but it wasn't your first love, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you would you would steal the house phone to talk to them. No, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. You would, that, they were all that mattered at that point. Right. You had to make sure you were at home at seven to call your girlfriend, quote, on you, you hung out with, you might have went to the movies twice the right. entire time that you were together. You held hands and you thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. You, but that's at that point, that's your whole world. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think they were at the point where they could be dating every day and seeing each other. It was more like. No, I mean, I, I understand that. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm looking at the end result of the story. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's we're, like during, during this two year period, what was he lacking in his personal life? Uh, yeah. Where he, you know, Michelle basically dictated yeah, every, basi- you know, yeah. everything. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's like, the thing. You don't know, like, if you could have just met him and saw the personality traits, right. what, how how he acted in school, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you don't see those things. You're just hearing, and you're like, I kind of get the vibe. He wasn't the most popular kid, wasn't the most, you know what I mean? He had some, definitely had some self-esteem issues. Right, he had self-esteem issues. But he, he actually, uh, in some of the videos that he posted of himself, he, he, uh, he actually said that he would learn pop culture because... That's what things people were talking about. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't know how to communicate with people. So he would learn all the current events and pop culture and, like, Justin Bieber and, like, all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. Just so he would have something to talk about with. To with, converse. Right. With with people his age. Like, he, he didn't really feel like uh, he, he fit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which probably added to his depression and anxiety, too. Right. And, it, and it's just like, I don't know. I There was nobody... You know, there's nobody else. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm getting too far ahead in the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm getting too far we'll, ahead s- we'll save it for the next chapter. That's alcohol talking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll go ahead and jump into chapter two. The hardest thing for me is to be comfortable in my own skin. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. A lot of people tell me, a lot of people tell me that I have a lot going for me. I have to be happy. I have to be happy. Well, no, you don't have to be happy. Your happiness comes from what your conscious thoughts and well-being. It's you create your own happiness. And by you creating your own happiness, in a sense, you're in a society where you look at someone better off than you, happier, you want to be jealous and envious of them for no, it's just subconscious. You just go, when you're depressed, you just go to place to place. Oh yeah, this guy's happy, this guy's, you just point out, wait, the obvious, but it's not real. Michelle Carter was born August 11, 1996, in Plainville, Massachusetts, to Dale and Gail Carter. 
She didn't have many friends, and she awkwardly tried to include herself in other girls' lives unsuccessfully. To the adult she interacted with, Michelle appeared to be a normal teen girl. She played softball and was voted most likely to brighten your day by her high school classmates. She would be in pictures, smiling alongside other girls. She was a good student, she was said to be polite, and she seemed outgoing. Almost too much. In reality, her inner thoughts did not match this picture-perfect outward persona. She may have seemed like she had a lot of friends, but none of her relationships were deep or meaningful. She was at best an acquaintance to the ones she considered friends. Dr. Peter Bregan, a psychiatrist who testified in Carter's trial for the defense, even called her desperate. She would incessantly text the friends she did have, making her appear needy, and it pushed girls away. Michelle had this unhealthy obsession with Glee in other teen movies and TV shows. She would quote parts of the show to Conrad about how she loved him. In the show Glee, if you're not familiar, the two main actors were dating on and off screen. The boyfriend died from an overdose in a hotel room. Michelle would quote not only lines from the show, but real things that the actress had said in interviews about the death of her boyfriend. Many would say Michelle didn't really know who she was and would place herself in the heads of these fictitious characters from these shows and movies. She had no real friends, but these characters did, and she wanted to be just like them. Conrad and Michelle's relationship started, she would try to stop Conrad from trying to commit suicide. She would tell him that she loved him and had told him not to go through with it. Over time, something changed. Some say it was a change in her psychological medication. She had been on Prozac for years before switching to another antidepressant, Celexa, in April of 2014, three months before Conrad's death. These types of drugs can impair judgment, wisdom, understanding, love, and empathy, especially in an adolescent brain. Her defense team said that Michelle was involuntarily intoxicated. They believed that Michelle began to think that she could help Conrad get what he wanted, to die painlessly and get to heaven, and then help his family grieve less by understanding them. This neediness and desperation is what many suspect as a motive for pushing Conrad to commit suicide. She knew she would have attention if her boyfriend died. This theory is in a way tested when Michelle herself told people that her boyfriend had gone missing days before he actually died. She started to get some of the attention that she was craving. So she gets a taste of this attention and it pushes her even more to make Conrad go through with his suicidal plans. She didn't want to appear to be a liar after all. And all of that attention felt way too good to let go of. Conrad was born September 12, 1995, to Conrad Roy Jr. and Lynn Roy. He has two younger sisters, Morgan and Camden. His parents separated when he was 16, and it affected him mentally. 
He tried to please everyone, and he went out of his way to appease both his mother and his father, and set high expectations for himself. He worked with his father, grandfather, and uncle in the family's marine salvage business, Tucker, Roy, Machine Towing, and Salvage. In the spring of 2014, he earned his captain's license from the Northeast Maritime Institute. In the same year, he graduated on the honor roll from Old Rochester Regional High School in Mattapoisett. He was accepted to Fitchburg State University to study business, which he never got to attend. Conrad was a hardworking, intelligent young man, but he was also very sad and depressed. He had attempted suicide multiple times before. He tried in 2012, right after his parents divorced. His father was physically abusive at times, and his grandfather verbally abused him. He struggled with social anxiety and depression, and had seen several therapists and counselors. At the age of 17, he was hospitalized for acetaminophen overdose. In interviews with his family, you could tell that he was truly loved and that they miss him terribly. Despite their issues and fighting, they would do anything to have him back. They were so proud of him and of his grades and of his becoming a captain so young. His grandfather was bursting with pride and holding back tears telling the story about how Conrad walked in with his captain's license. If only he knew how much they truly did love him. Conrad tried to get help. He was on the antidepressant citalopram, but there were warnings in the box that it may increase suicidal thoughts in people under 24. This paired with the text he got from his girlfriend, someone who he loved and thought loved him, pushed him to complete the suicide attempt. So now that we, we get a better picture of uh, who Michelle was, uh, she was she was somebody who herself didn't quite fit in, and she tried really hard to fit in. You know what I mean? Like she tried to create stories about her life that you know would seem interesting to other people. Yeah, compulsive liar. Compulsive liar. Yeah, li- yeah. lying but, lying to start conversations. I see. I've seen it many times. Right, but that never really goes very far because people around you can see right through it. Yeah, you're like, you know what, what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you have that kid in high school, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I got a girlfriend. She goes to East whatever high school. East Bay High. Yeah. Her name is Kelly Kolowski. Kolowski. <laughs> <laughs> whatever her name is. Um, but, yeah, you know, you, it's like, yeah, okay. All right, yeah, you got a girlfriend. All right, buddy. Yeah, you got pictures of her? Oh, no, you don't? Okay. Yeah, I do. There's stock Google images. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, what? The, you're dating a supermodel, dude? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, that's basically how, how she... You know, is portrayed uh, with people her own age. Now, with adults, you know, adults, you know, she's like, well, she's very normal. She's very pleasant. She's very nice. You know, she played sports. But you can start to see where, you know, her perception of, of, of how life should be is skewed. I feel like, though, every, all of this is just normal teenage girl stuff. Now, she, she actually, like, starts getting lost in, like, a fantasy world. Yeah, she starts watching TV shows, you know, movies and everything like that. And she gets she gets caught up in the whole uh, uh, romance, romance of it, of it and the fan, you know, yeah. fantasy of it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely almost seems like it become this becomes a almost fetishized right. by her. Yeah, that's, that's that's like the feeling that I get from it. And like she sees like uh, her her favorite show was Glee. 
No, I don't. Have you ever watched Glee? A uh, long time ago. Long time ago. Like a long, couple yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah. So I used to have to watch it because my stepdaughters were like obsessed with it. So wasn't a bad show. I actually kind of liked it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Next thing you're going to tell me is that you used to watch High School Musical, huh? Bro. We're all in this together. Bro, don't knock it. Oh, I had the biggest crush on Vanessa Hudgens. But you know what show? You know, Dude, you know. remember when her nudes leaked? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. My mind was blown. How old was she then? She was over 18. Oh, I was, okay, I was like right. 19 when that, when that came out. All I was young. Right. All right, relax. Hey. You know what other movie was uh, Pitch Perfect? Pitch Perfect was good, though. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. I like that one. I had to sit down and watch that, too. Amazing that uh, a musical show le- like led to a basically convincing someone to kill themselves. I know. Jesus. Yeah. So anyways, all right, back to the story. So like, she became obsessed with Glee. And if you're not familiar with Glee, uh, basically has two main characters. One was like a, a jock. And the other one was like a nerdy like music band geek or whatever. They ended up coming together and forming this whole like acapella, you know, whatever band or group. Now he died in real life. So I remember that. Yeah, uh, he died of a drug overdose. So on the show, they made it out to be this like huge, you know, spectacle or whatever. So they basically uh, uh, focused in on the character of Rachel. Who was the boy? Who was the girlfriend of, of Finn? Who, who died? I mean, this went on for an entire. This was like a whole special. So Michelle Carter is seeing this, like, oh well, I have a boyfriend who is struggling. Yeah. Mm, now I see all the all the attention that Rachel is getting. Yeah. How can you know? I, I can I can get that attention too, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's almost like Munchausen syndrome, but without. With, with your boyfriend yeah, over, right. you know what I mean, your kids. Exactly. You know, so around late 2013, 2014, she starts changing because at the time she was very helpful to Conrad. You know, Conrad, you know, he, he struggled with his, de- you know, depression and everything like that. And she was very supportive. She was like, you know, get help. You know, you need to go to your doctor's appointments. You need to take your medicine, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Now, now with Conrad, his parents split up in 2012, right around the time that he met Michelle. So he was, you know, splitting time between between both. Now his father allegedly was very physical with Conrad, and uh, his grandfather was allegedly also very verbally abusive. That, that definitely weren't the feelings kind of family. That's right, and that's what he needed. Yeah. So Conrad didn't really get much from his father and his grand. They loved him, but they're more of like the '70s, '80s kind of love. You know, I love you. Whap. Yeah. Don't fuck up. You know Stop I mean? crying. Stop yeah, crying, stop boy. Crying. So Conrad, he, he couldn't really lean towards that side of family to help him, like, kind of, like, find his way. I think that's it's kind of common for pretty much a lot of people going through, like, high school. Like, you're trying to figure out who you are. Where do you fit in society? You know, I, I, think, oh, yeah. I think it's kind of common. Regardless of, of what... Yeah, your where, where you see your where you, your stat, you're right, you, where your, your status is in high school, you the know, hierarchy of of being right. a shitty teenager. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm sure that at some point during those during those four years, whether it's sooner or later, at some point you ask yourself, where do I fit in? Am I going to be good enough? Like you kind of question. No, yeah, for sure. I, I I agree. I think it doesn't matter what 
group you're in, what status you're in, where you're sitting at lunch, all that stuff doesn't matter because you're, I think everybody in when you're junior year or high school, I wouldn't even say senior because by senior year, you just kind of start building that plan to know what you're going right. to do. Yeah. But like sophomore, junior year, high school, you're definitely, am I going to even, am I going to make it? Am I, what am I going to do? Right. Especially if you were a, a mess up like me who were, who teachers told where it's going to amount to nothing in yeah. life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause, Dude, I stayed back my senior year in high school. So <laughs> I had to do summer school a couple times. <laughs> So I definitely had to do summers. I, I was in I was I was in trouble a lot. Yeah. And and uh the teachers a lot of teachers didn't like me. Not like mean trouble. I just was I was conniving. I was yeah. yeah. So you know that definitely creeped in my mind. Yeah. Like what? Am I gonna just end up But I, I basically what I'm saying is that I, I can see how, you know, somebody during those years, you know, where it could go they can kinda get stuck in that mind frame. Yeah. You know? Yeah, especially if you're if you're like eating lunch alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have nobody close besides yeah. this girl who's texting you every now and again right so yeah so he he struggled throughout high school and uh he was diagnosed with social anxiety and depression you know he went through numerous therapists and and, and counselors and whatnot and suicide multiple suicide attempts too yeah now the thing that stand, stood out to me and we kind of like talked about this earlier was he let out a huge cry for help when he quote unquote tried to overdose on Tylenol. Basically aspirin, Tylenol. Yeah. yeah. And this was a year prior to uh, him actually going through with it. You know, what's crazy, too, is I think a lot of people, even like the listeners at home, because I know I know at least two people that I went to high school with tried to OD on Tylenol. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very common it's a it's a very common cry for help. It's right. not the right. way like whenever you heard people commit suicide, you know, I don't I don't want to talk about that really that much because it's a very touchy subject especially yeah. for if listeners have anybody right but usually the first step is a pill overdose and it's a it's a cry for help mm. so that right there should have showed that he was at least serious about right you know what i mean so now michelle sees that because this was you know this was like halfway through their relationship so this was uh attempted suicide was on 2013 so now i think after this michelle starts to see Ooh, he could do this. He could do this. And coincide with her, her whatever, this fantasy that she has in her head that she's going to be whisked away with with all these friends and, and everything if her boyfriend passes away. I think this is like around a time where she trying to kind of, where she kind of transitions from being like the supportive quote unquote girlfriend yeah. to let's see how I can play this in my favor kind of thing. You know what I mean? So next thing we're going to take a look at is an intimate look into the relationship between Conrad and Michelle uh, through a series of text messages. And you can see how Michelle uh, is now trying to persuade Conrad into ending his life rather than trying to help him here in chapter three. I am who I am. Yes, I can develop as a person, be more fluent, articulate, passionate about who I am. Where I can just go home, sit in my basement, and just do nothing about it. Just sit in my sorrows, weep and cry over something that is in the past. Or I can just take it one by a day by day, step by step. I mean, it's going to be difficult to accomplish. But I need to, for personal growth, accomplish this sense of self-pride in myself.
There are thousands of text messages between Michelle and Conrad leading up to Conrad's death. I will provide some of these text messages so you can understand the relationship between these two young people. Once again, Kelly Corder and myself are playing the roles of Michelle Carter and Conrad Roy. Before we continue, if you or someone you love is listening to this episode and have or currently are struggling with your mental health, I advise you to please skip through these text messages. These texts begin on July 5th, eight days before Conrad took his life. Hi. Hi. What's up? Just woke up. You? Why do you seem happy? Because tonight's the night. You said that last night and the night before. (laughs) I know, but it has to happen tonight. I'll be all alone. Mom and Brian are sleeping over at a friend's house in Rhode Island. So, yeah. Tonight seems like the perfect night. Like you have all night to try different things. Yes. (laughs) Do you think tonight really is the night you're going to do it? I think... There's a difference between saying I'm going to try to commit suicide and I am going to commit suicide. Well, uh, I'm going to try. So you don't want it bad enough. You already know you're going to fail because part of you wants to fail. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah, what? It's just hard, Michelle. I know it is. In the few days leading to Conrad Roy taking his life, the following messages were also exchanged between him and Michelle. I think your parents know you're in a really bad place. I'm not saying they want you to do it, but honestly, I feel like they can accept it. They know there's nothing they can do. They've tried helping. Everyone's tried. But there's a point that comes to where there isn't anything anyone can do to save you. Not even yourself. And you've hit that point. And I think your parents know that you've hit that point. You said your mom saw a suicide thing on your computer, and she didn't say anything. I think she knows it's on your mind, and she's prepared for it. Everyone will be sad for a while, but they will get over it and move on. They won't be in depression. I won't let that happen. They know how sad you are, and they know that you're doing this to be happy, and I think that they will understand and accept it. They will always carry you in their hearts. Oh, thank you, Michelle. They will move on for you because they know that's what you would have wanted. They know you wouldn't want them to be sad and depressed and angry and guilty. They know you want them to live their lives and be happy. So they will for you. You're right. You need to stop thinking about this and just do it because overthinking always kills overthinking. Yeah, it does. I've been thinking about it for way too long. Always smile. And yeah, you just have to do it. You have everything you need. There's no way you can feel. Tonight is the night. It's now or never. And if you don't think about it, you won't think about feeling. You'll just do it and then think you'll succeed. That's what I'm talking about. I read so much about failed attempts going wrong that it's gotten me discouraged. Yeah, exactly. So stop doing that. There is more success than there are failures. Are you kidding me? You have to look at it the way that people only fail because they have the same mindset as you, thinking they'll fail. I really want to believe you. Why don't you? You can't think about it. You just have to do it. You said you were going to do it. Like, I don't get why you aren't. I don't get it either. I I don't know. So I guess you just aren't going to do it then. All that for nothing. I'm just confused. Like you were so ready and determined. I'm going to eventually. I really don't know what I'm waiting for, but I have everything lined up. Well, I guess just because you say you're going to do it, but you don't. But last night, I know you really wanted to do it, and I'm not mad. Well, I mean, kind of, I guess. Just because you always say you're going to do it. But you don't. But last night, I knew you really wanted to, and I'm not mad. 
You're not joking about this or bullshitting me, right? I just want to make sure that you're being serious. Like, I know you are, but I don't know. You always say you're going to do it, but you never do. I just want to make sure tonight's the real thing. Don't do it in the driveway. You'll be easily found. Find a spot. I don't know. I'm thinking of a public place. If I go somewhere private, they may call the cops. Well, then someone will notice you. Do you think you'll get caught? I mean, it only takes 30 minutes, right? Just park your car and sit there. It'll take like 20 minutes. It's not even a big deal. July 13th, 2014. The day of Conrad's suicide. Michelle begins texting at 4.07 a.m. Conrad, hey, you there? Hey, sorry, I fell asleep. It's okay. Why haven't you done it yet, though? I'm, I'm too messed up to. What are you talking about? My head. You can't think about it. You just have to do it. You said you were going to do it. Like, I don't get why you aren't. Uh, I, don't, I don't get it either. I don't know. So I guess you just aren't going to do it then. All that for nothing. I'm just confused. Like, you were so ready and determined. I'm going to eventually. I really don't know what I'm waiting for, but I have everything lined up. No, you're not, Conrad. Last night was it. You kept pushing it off and saying that you'll do it, but you'll never do. It's always going to be that way if you don't take action. You're just making it harder on yourself by pushing it off. You just have to do it. Do you want to do it now? Is it too late? I don't know. It's already late outside. I'm going to go back to sleep. Love you. I'll text you tomorrow. No. It's probably the best time now because everyone's sleeping. Just go somewhere in your truck. And no one's really out right now just because it's an awkward time. If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. And you say you'll do it tonight, but you probably won't. Love you. Thank you. Conrad Roy falls asleep. Five hours later, at 9.03 a.m., Michelle picks the conversation back up. Are you awake? Yes. Are you going to do it today? Yes. Like, in the daytime? Should I? Yeah, it's less suspicious. You won't think about it as much, and you'll get it over with instead of waiting until the night. Yeah, then I will. But, like, where? Like, I could go in any enclosed area. Go in your truck and drive in a parking lot somewhere to park or something. Do it now, like, early. Didn't we say this was suspicious? No, I think night is more suspicious. A kid sitting in his car, just turn on the radio and do it. It won't be suspicious. It won't take long. All right. I'm taking Holly for a walk. Okay. I don't know why I'm like this. Sometimes things happen, and we never have the answers why. Like, why am I so hesitant lately? Like, two weeks ago, I was willing to try everything. And now, I'm worse. Like, really bad. And I'm um, not following through. It's, it's eating me inside. You're so hesitant because you keep overthinking it and pushing it off. You need to just do it, Conrad. The more you push it off, the more it will eat at you. You're ready and prepared. All you have to do is turn the generator on, be free, and happy. No more pushing it off, no more waiting. You're right. If you want it as bad as you say you do, it's time to do it today. Yep, no more waiting. Okay, I'm serious. Like, you can't even wait until tonight. You have to do it when you get back from your walk. Thank you. For what? Still being here. I would never leave you. You're the love of my life, my boyfriend, my heart. I'd never leave you. Aww. I love you. Love you too. When will you be back from your walk? 
Uh, like five minutes. Okay, so are you going to do it? I guess. Well, I want you to be ready and sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm freaking out again. I'm overthinking. I thought you wanted to do this. This time is right. You're ready. You just need to do it. You can't keep living this way. You just need to do it like you did last time and not think about it and just do it, babe. You can't keep doing this every day. I do want to, but like I'm freaking out for my family, I guess. I don't know. Conrad, I told you, I'll take care of them. Everyone will take care of them and make sure they won't be alone and people will help them get through it. We talked about this. They will be okay and accept it. People who commit suicide don't just think this much. They just do it. I know, I know. Thinking just drives me more crazy. Exactly. You need to just do it, Conrad. You can't keep doing this every day. Okay. I'm going to do it today. Do you promise? I promise, babe. I have to now. Like right now? Uh, where do I go? You can't break a promise and just go in a quiet parking lot or something. Okay. Go somewhere you know you won't get caught. You can find a place. I know you can. Are you doing it now? Still have no clue. Not finding a place to go isn't an excuse. I know where to go. Where? A parking ride. Ride? That's what it's called. It's like a parking lot. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Are you going now? Either that or go to the beach. Why would you go to the beach? Well, that, that's where my mom's going. I thought you were just going to do it. My mom's making me go. When I get home, I'm going to do it. Okay, promise? I'm going kayaking anyways. Ha, you love kayaking. Yep, so something I wish we could have done. Make sure you take your son kayaking. Of course I will. I'm in the worst pain right now. Like, it's unbearable. I think it's time to do it now, then. Do you agree? Conrad? Please answer me. I'm still at the beach. Oh, okay, sorry. I'm determined. I'm happy to hear that. I'm ready. Good, because it's time, babe. You know that. When you get back from the beach, you gotta do it. You're ready. You're determined. It's the best time. Okay, I will. Are you back? No more thinking. Yes, no more thinking. You just need to do it. No more waiting. On my way back. I know where to go now. Where? A parking lot. There's going to be no cars there at nine, so that's when I'll be found. Okay, perfect. When will you be home? Ten minutes. <laughs> that's perfect. Okay. And, well, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't want to kill anyone else with me. You won't. Well, when they open the door, they won't know it's odorless and colorless. You're overturning. They will see the generator and realize you breathed in the CO. So, should I keep it in the back seat or front? In front. You can write it on a piece of paper and tape it on, saying carbon monoxide or something if you're scared. I was thinking that, but someone might see it. Before it actually happens. Well, wait, the generator is going to be on because you'll be passed out, so they'll know you use carbon poisoning. It's not loud, is it? Not really. <laughs> okay, good. Are you going to do it now? I'm home. Okay. Ah! Uh... What? 
I don't know. I'm stressing. You're fine. It's going to be okay. You just got to do it, babe. You can't think about it. Okay, I, I got this. Yes, you do. I believe in you. Did you delete the messages? Yes, but you're going to keep messaging me. I will until you turn on the generator. Okay, well, I'm bringing my sisters for ice cream. So will you do it when you get back? Yep, I'll go right there. Okay. Okay, I'm procrastinating. Yeah, I know. Are you back? Yep. So it's time. Oh, it's been time. Are you going to do it now? I just don't know how to leave them, you know? Say you're going to the store or something. Like, I want them to know that I love them. They know. That's one thing they definitely know. You're overthinking. I know I'm overthinking. I've been overthinking for a while now. I know. You just have to do it like you said. Are you going to do it now? I haven't left yet. (laughs) Why? Leaving now. Okay. You can do this. Okay. I'm almost there. July 13th, 2014. 6.25 p.m. This was the last text message before Conrad took his life. There were two phone calls that were placed after these texts. The first, Conrad and Michelle spoke for 43 minutes, presumably once Conrad gets to the back parking lot of the Kmart in Fairhaven and prepares for his suicide. The second call was 46 minutes where Conrad starts to freak out once he feels the carbon monoxide poisoning taking effect. He gets out of the truck. This, according to the state of Massachusetts, is when Michelle Carter tells Conrad Roy to get back in the truck and end his life. She stays on the phone and listens to Conrad take his last breath, dying from carbon monoxide poisoning. Three hours later, (laughs) three hours later, she sends the following text messages to him. Presumably to cover her tracks, knowing full well, Conrad is dead. Please answer me. I'm scared. Are you okay? I love you. Please answer. Conrad needed someone to help him. To tell him not to go through with it. To tell him that he is loved. To tell him that his life matters. Sadly... The only person Conrad felt he had was Michelle. The one who was encouraging him to get back in the truck to finish the job. She could have stopped him, but she didn't. And she stayed on the phone to make sure he went through with it. Such a hard chapter, man. Such a hard chapter. Uh, it God, the amount of cries for help he even says in the text message with the person who's trying to persuade him to do it yeah. is it's it's infuriating. Like I, this is where I I would throw Michelle off a bridge. Like I wouldn't care at all. 
yeah. I, I uh, well, throwing off a bridge is, is a good way of putting it. Yes. And, and from a parent's standpoint, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because it's like, dude, he like like you said at the end of the chapter, he only needed someone to tell him he loved they, that they he was loved. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was it. Now I I kind of associate this to an extreme version of bullying. Okay. Yeah, I would say where that. I absolutely despise bullying. Anytime I see a video or anything of someone bullying, like I want that person dead. <laughs> how were you? you know I mean? How were you growing up, though? Uh, I like, went through. I what, went. What, I'm not saying were you a bully. I'm saying like if you saw bullying in in school or be like as as young Davy. Young Davy. Young Davy. Well, did you stop it? Were you? Because I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I I always just turn the cheek. You know what I mean? I did didn't. You? I uh, I wasn't the guy who All right, well, got in. This is where the alcohol probably, probably. This is where the alcohol probably shouldn't be a part of this podcast. Because when you ask me questions like this, you're gonna be opening up a book of fucking worms, yeah. Um. <laughs> so Davy uh, lived multiple lives when he was a child. Oh, okay, so you were just you were Ted Bundy in it through okay. life right now. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, Davy, when he was younger would wear, wear you know hand-me-down clothes and was not part of the cool kids so young Davy would get bullied a lot um, it wasn't until probably seventh eighth grade where you got your growth spurt <laughs> Davy uh, began to play football and made some changes in his life and was now accepted yeah. okay so I've been on both ends of the spectrum where uh, I have been bullied and I've seen bullying outside of myself and uh, every single time yes I, I I would stop it you know long answer to a short question no I mean hey you know it's insight in a, da- yeah. a young Davy's life so it's, it's just like kind of like when I see a bully like there's a serious like fucking hate that I feel for these for that person you know what I mean yeah <clears throat> oh yeah, I, re- I regret. Like I, you, you always, everybody looks back and regrets right. certain situations. Yeah. I was never a bully. I didn't bully people, but it was, it was more like I, I never. It's not your business. I never. Yeah, it was more of like not my business. Just kept walking. Right. I was, I, that's how I went. That's how I made it through high school. You yeah. know what I mean? Not my business. You know what I mean? I, I'm on my own path. Sorry, sorry, buddy. And yeah. I, I regret it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I saw. Yeah, there's, you know, everybody sees some messed up stuff when right. you're young. I don't, I don't know, but to me, she is. Is is the bully? She's pressuring him. She's, she's. I don't know because there's there's. there's it wasn't even. It was aggressively pressuring. Right. Him. Aggressive. Right. And he is Conrad. Yup. Yup. You yeah. do it. You thinking about right. it? Right. Stop basically like, saying I'm talking a pussy. Yeah. Like fucking. Bitch, leave me the fuck alone. Hell. You know, like shit. Now, like reading through these things, it, it just angers me because he's like, oh, you know, huh, you know, I, I don't know if I want to, or, you know. Yeah. yeah. She's like, well, you said you were going to do it. You're never going to do it. You're never gonna, you know, and she yeah. starts fucking nagging. He's like, well, you know, yeah, I will do it. No, 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 whatever. You said it, you said that yeah. yesterday. Stop being a fucking liar. Yeah, meh, you know? It's like, oh, my God, I want to punch her square in her fucking unibrow. <laughs> fuck. She, she does have a unibrow. She's fucking ugly as fuck. But anyway. <laughs> no, fuck her. Fuck her. Uh, yes, 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 yes. You know, and, 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 the, and the thing that, like, drives me fucking insane, and, and this is, like, the, the, the key to the whole fucking thing, and... God, I wish I could go back in time, and I wish I could be there in that situation. Is when he gets out of the out of the truck, and he, he panics, and she's on the phone with him at the time. Yeah, and she's like, "Get back in the truck." Oh, get back in the truck. 
Like right there. Uh, like regardless of, of talking about it. Yes, you know, I want to kill myself. Yes, I want to do this. Yes, I want to do this. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to like that. That's all one thing. That's 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 whatever. Okay, that's obviously an issue. You need to take care of it. Take care of it. Whatever. When you are doing it and you back out of it, that tells you he does not want to fuck deep down inside. He does not want to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. He's crying for help. He needs help. And this fucking bitch is on the phone. Get back in the fucking truck, Conrad. Get back in the fucking truck. Oh, my God. I want to stab her square in the fucking eyeball. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, all the, like, definitely a shout out to everybody who's listening and all that stuff. If, If you're feeling something, if you're going through some shit. Doesn't matter. Don't ever rely on one person. No. Seek seek help. Yep. Call a hotline. Do whatever you need to do at that point because you are loved. Mm-hmm. You're wanted. Yes, hundred percent. And if it doesn't feel like it, I can. Uh, yeah, I can tell you. I've I've lost people that way, and there is an enormous void that will never be filled again. Yeah. Like, I think we, that, that's the hardest part. You think that you're right. doing people a favor at yeah. that point. You're like not. I'm just a burden. Yeah. Uh, you know. And it's it's so sad because it's it. You're not. You're, you're not. not. You're not a burden. Nope. So at this point, she's completely complacent in his death. Yes. 100%. I don't, there's no backing out. You have contributed to his suicide. And so now, in the next chapter, we will see what the state of Massachusetts feels about Michelle and her text messages to Conrad. Criminal AF will be back after this quick break. What I am doing is I'm looking at myself so negatively. Looking at myself, minuscule little particle on the face of this earth. That's no good. Trash. We'll never be successful. Never have a life. Never have kids. Never never learn. Because depression to me, you don't like yourself. And the sooner I like myself, the better I'm going to be. Like, I have a lot going. I, I do have a lot going for me. Like, I'm like a fucking captain. I just got a job from the Boston Duck Tours to captain their boat. Like, that's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> It'd be, to be a, a captain. Listen. I just have to get the cobwebs out. Turn the gears. The gears need to be turning. Turn them gears. That's what I gotta do. Cause I'm. Look at me. I got nice teeth. I got a nice smile. I'm introverted. Nice and caring. That's some benefits. I'm a nice kid. I have a lot to offer someone, but it's, it comes to a point where I'm just too nice. Why did Michelle demand that Conrad take his life? Attention. Michelle posted many times on Facebook about how her boyfriend had committed suicide. She posted about how she missed him. She started a baseball fundraiser in Conrad's name, in her hometown, 
40 minutes away from where Conrad lived. Many believe this fundraiser should have been held in Conrad's hometown so it would be easier for his family and friends to attend. Michelle argued against it. Not long after Conrad's death, the police went through his phone and saw almost immediately the text from Michelle. These text messages disturbed the investigators. It was soon after that investigators obtained a search warrant. They visited Michelle at school and took her phone. In 2015, she was arrested and charged with involuntary manslaughter, and her trial began two years later in 2017. Her defense talked a lot about her med change and how that affected her. They said it clouded her brain and she was enmeshed in a delusion. She was unable to form intent because she was so grandiose, Dr. Bregan testified. He tried to show that his suicide made her snap to reality, even if only briefly. She texted Conrad a day after the suicide saying, Did you do something? Conrad, I love you so much. Please tell me this is a joke. I'm sorry, I didn't think you were being serious, Conrad. Please don't leave us like this. Two months later, she also texted Conrad to tell him that she raised $2,300 from the baseball fundraiser she put together. Dr. Bregan stated that she imagines him looking down upon her. Could her medication really cloud her judgment that much? Or is she texting these things after the fact to try to save face and aid in her trial? It's hard to say. Psychological medications are powerful, but at some point, doesn't some part of her brain kick in and make her question her words, the way she is behaving? Some could also argue that being a mostly online relationship, Michelle could have viewed Conrad as some character from one of her movies, that he wasn't real and that she was playing a part and didn't realize the weight that her words held. They had only met five times in the two years they had been a couple. Conrad's family didn't even know they were dating, they just thought they were friends, because they never saw each other. On June 5th, 2017, Michelle Carter waived the right to have a trial by jury. Judge Lawrence Moniz is to be the one to decide Michelle's future. On June 16th, 2017, Michelle Carter was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. He described her behavior as reckless. She was sentenced to two and a half years in prison with 15 months served and the rest suspended. She was also sentenced to five years probation. After nearly two years of unsuccessful court appeals, Carter began her sentence in 2019. And in January 2020, she was released early from prison for good behavior. She had been a model inmate who stayed out of trouble and that she participated in jail programs. She was a part of the Bible study and she worked in the kitchen where she got along with all of the inmates. Michelle's attorney says that she is remorseful and that she has come to grips with it and that she understands. She has declined to speak to any media and never spoke or testified in her trial, so we've never heard her part of the story in her own words. For Conrad Roy, he had so much going for him. He was determined and motivated. He had a family that loved him. He could have had a great life, but we, or his family, will never see that happen. His life was cut short, long before it should have been. He will be deeply missed for the rest of his family's life. It's sad, but when a person is depressed, 
they don't see the good. Or they see the good as not good enough. The sadness, emptiness, loneliness outweighs any of the good. People try to reassure you, to tell you they love you, to tell you that they wouldn't want to live without you. But your pain is too heavy. So when someone you love, and that is supposed to love you, eggs you on in these fragile moments, it just confirms your negative thoughts. You're drowning already, and instead of throwing you a life vest, they step on your head to push you under even more. Michelle may not have physically killed Conrad, but she didn't throw him a life vest either. That is not love. Conrad deserved love. Michelle was living in a fantasy, and Conrad was just playing a role. Yes, her meds could have played her a huge part. Her delusions and intoxication. There could have been small moments of clarity where she could have told his mother or sister what was happening. She pushed him and pushed him to follow through with ending his life. No person with a conscience does that. Even Dr. Bregan was dumbfounded as to why she acted the way she did. Her own doctor. Conrad will never get to tell his side of the story, but we can learn from it and try to prevent it from happening again. His mother, Lynn, resolved to change the law. In most states, there are statutes to criminalize suicide coercion. Massachusetts is not one of those states. Lynn proposed legislation dubbed Conrad's Law. It would impose a punishment of up to five years for anyone convicted of pressuring another to take their own life. She hopes that this law will act as a deterrent to prevent another person from losing their life. Everything that Conrad Roy ever was, or ever will be, is lost. If you, or someone you know, is thinking about taking their own life, you are not alone. In the United States, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The Trevor Helpline, support designed for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender youth and young adults. 866-4U-TREVOR. That's 866-488-7386. I gotta start off with two and a half years for manslaughter. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting. She deserves so much more. She might as well put him, you know what I mean? She might have might as well have put him in that car and Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Drove him. Drove him. Held him there. Held him at there. gunpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's that's sickening. And getting on a good behavior, it's like that horrible story that you hear so often yeah. where they don't deserve of course of course she was a model inmate bible study and this and that like you know she was going to be like that anything she could to get out there absolutely now the thing that, that kind of stands out to me and it's, it's a quote that I believe Conrad's aunt had made and she had said that Michelle Carter did not take part in Conrad's death she was the sole reason which which you know, I'm not saying that he didn't have his, his issues or, or whatnot, but she 100% spearheaded this. Yeah. You know, when there were numerous times in all those conversations where 
you know, he was like, eh, well, I don't know, you know, you know, I'm worried about my parents. I'm worried about this. You know, what if I, you know, normal person would be like, yeah, you're right. Your parents are, love you. Your parents are going to miss you. Your parents, you know, and she's like, no, your parents will be fine. They'll be all right. How do you feel about the defense's strategy to get her manslaughter by uh, saying that her, the medication was the reason this happened? And I, you got to love lawyers. They're such, yeah. like, especially defense lawyers. They'll find a needle in a haystack. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Yeah. No, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't buy into any of that. Yeah. I mean, did, did she have her own issues? Absolutely. Sure. She did. But. Being on Prozac doesn't to be, convince to, you to kill, like, have you convince someone to kill themselves. But the thing that, like, I, I want to know, like, how did the authorities know to check the text messages? You know what I mean? Uh, I see what you're saying. What? So, like, because obviously we all know that our cell phone companies keep records of everything. That right, right. They, so man, no matter if you delete them or not, you know. Yeah, like, they will have a list. They'll, they, they have your, yeah. Especially if it's subpoenaed. They'll, they'll release them in 100%, seconds. yeah. So how did how did the police, did they go through Conrad's phone? Did they, like, how did they get to Michelle? Pulling the records, you're saying? You're right. Now, I'm sure at some point during the conversation, she's like, get back in the truck, Conrad. Make sure you get, get back in the truck. And, oh, oh, and delete your text messages, please. Yeah. yeah. Before you die, just delete your text messages. You know, so I wonder if, like, there were still some messages left on his phone. Yeah, there could have been something. There had to have been something on the phone that triggered them to be like, whoa. Yeah. Like, like even back past previous conversations or something. Right. That made them go, whoa. Yeah. And pulled the full transcript. Pulled the whole thing, yeah. 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 Because she, like, after, after he did it, she was on the phone when, with him when he died. He yeah. took his last breath. She, she knew he was dead. Yeah. And then, like, you know... A minute later, she was like, text me. I miss you. I love you. Please text me. You know, pretending like she didn't know what the fuck was going on. And Is this a joke? Yeah. Oh. And then, like, the next day, she's like, Conrad, did you do something? Conrad, I love you so much. Please tell me this is a joke. I'm so sorry. I didn't think you were serious about killing yourself, Conrad. Please don't leave us like this. Bitch, shut the fuck up. Yeah, stop trying to save your ass. No offense to the other bitches out there. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But you know, Sex, you see, sexy bitches. Yeah, sexy, sexy motherfuckers. But you know what I mean? It's like, like she, she kept on, she kept up this charade for months. Yeah. Months. Having yeah. a fucking. And then having a charity baseball tournament in her town. Her town. <laughs> not, not her town. Yeah. Talk about selfish. Yeah. It's just, ah. Uh, and you're like, wouldn't it make sense to have, have it in his town where all his family and friends? No. 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 Be right here. Make sure you guys all help me plan it. Yeah, the, the posts on social media. Yeah. Like, like, she wasn't directly involved in this. Right. It's almost like it's so, like sociopath. Right. Like, she she clearly shows tendencies of being a sociopath. <laughs> she, like, she texts one of her friends, I think I may have had a part in Conrad's death. You, you think you may have? You drove him to it. Fuck. Now, that's interesting because is there another charge other than manslaughter that you could give for a situation? Like, I feel like this is very... Well, this is, like, the first. You know, that's what I mean. It's, it's a very, like, groundbreaking right. criminal case at yeah. this point. Because at this point, I mean, there's a lot of... We, we hear stories about cyberbullying and the people, like, kids committing suicide because of cyberbullying. And, and, you know what I mean? Kids online bullying yeah. them. But they don't die because of a specific person is telling them to. They, yeah, they say, like, a... a Random thread might be guy, like, "Yo, go kill yourself." Guy. You know what I mean? Like because this guy, yeah. But there's not. It's like this. There's a connection to mm-hmm. this one person just 
egging and egging. Someone and egging. who who Conrad looked at as someone who loved him, you know. Yeah. And you know, this isn't like some some vicious person that you know is beating the shit out of somebody every single day. There's some. It's someone that that you trust. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Someone that you can find in. You're talking to him about about suicide. Yeah. Which is you know not easy to do in general. Right. So yeah. So I I, I don't know. I think it's definitely. It, it's definitely more than manslaughter. What, what, what's, the, what's the charge higher than manslaughter? It'd be murder three. Murder three? Where, where's our buddy on freaking Instagram to give us all this legal advice? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> we need follow Flint over there on Instagram to give us some legal advice on what this would be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just know it's in my definitely more. Part, it's definitely it, more than manslaughter. Yeah. manslaughter I, I would say. But that's what she got, and that's that's the way it stands. That's the precedent. Yeah. So. Anybody who knows, let's uh, let's open it up. Open yeah. up a poll. Comment on the, the episode. Yep. Talk to us on Patreon. What is your take? Do you think it was well deserved? Murder one, murder two, murder three, manslaughter. I don't know. I don't know either. But she definitely deserves something, and she got it. Not probably not what she deserved. Uh, what was it? A year, year and a half? She was in jail. Yes. With good behavior. With good behavior. Yeah. yeah. Two two and a half year sentence. So that'll do it for this episode of I Love You to Death. Uh, just a reminder before you go, if you liked what you heard, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. And don't forget to become one of the debauched on Patreon. Visit com backslash support. There are five tiers and you can join as little as $2 a month for general support. Those who select the $5 tier and above will get all of our content. All of it. Five Minute Murder, Random AF, Dreadful AF, as well as all the other content we throw in there, like downloadable scripts, etc. Or if you want to become a barista and buy us one or more coffees to help support the podcast with a one-time donation, again, just go to criminalafpodcast.com backslash support or follow the link in the episode description. Links to our socials, merchandise, and more in the episode description, or you can visit criminalafpodcast.com for all of your criminal AF needs. Signing off from Studio Chloroform. Keep your head on a swivel and take care until next time. Now, now give me our theme music. See ya. The executive producers for this episode are Christine Rivera, Beth Davis, and Dusty J. Hicks. Associate producers are Paul Hodge, Noah Schultz, Brooke Morgan, Bethany Cooper, and Terry Burke Wolin. Producers are Stephen Day, Trent Gobble, J.D. Driscoll, Devin Dean, Chantal Seislick, Jan O'Donnell, Jessica Lloyd, Lisa Perello, Jenny Crawford, Alicia Knight, Laura Shin, Maria Celine, and Beth Esselman. 